All right, everybody. Good afternoon. Guru and Wiz Fantasy Football Podcast. Week number seven we head into in the NFL. A beautiful day in the New York metropolitan area here. Um, and Wiz, I just can't help think right now, you know, you head into this week, the injuries continue to pile up, and you're faced with the first week that you have six teams on a bye week. So it will be... Uh, a very challenging set of circumstances, I think, for some managers to kind of cobble together starting lineups, depending on the size of those lineups in the leagues that you're in. Most certainly. I mean, uh, injuries, uh, if you look at the, just at the game that's going to take place tomorrow night, I mean, Cleveland can barely feel the team out there. And uh, with the bye weeks, uh, yeah, fantasy football owners are going to have to delve deep, deep into the free agent uh, market this week and uh, see what... Uh, come on with and uh, we're going to try and help them do that. Yeah, it's you know, it's almost was like you have to kind of get one step ahead in, in one of the leagues that we're in. I, so I knew that coming into the week that Nick Chubb was kind of banged up, wasn't sure if he was going to play just yet. Uh, obviously, I didn't anticipate Kareem Hunt going down this game, but I ended up picking up uh, Dearness Johnson in that league for a dollar. And obviously this week that'll be a different situation. But we'll, we'll talk a second about uh, about the wave of wires. I just kind of want to talk about a couple of things that, that went on in, in, in week, number set, uh, week number six. First of all, the Jaguars getting their first win uh, at beating uh, poor Eric Brown's uh, Miami Dolphins. That was an exciting win uh, in London. I tell you, the team that continues to impress me, Wiz, and I think you felt this way very strongly, as did I in in, in the preseason, and I think we're kind of looking at the division right now. Now, I don't think we anticipated quite the injuries that the Cleveland Browns are going through, but Cincinnati Bengals, very, very impressive, a a, a methodical win over the hapless uh, Detroit Lions. That, That situation is a complete disaster. Uh, and and then the thing that, that kind of resonated with me, you know, you have the you have the Arizona Cardinals going into Cleveland. You didn't know what to make of the game, especially with Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury not uh, not at quarter uh, not uh, at head coach because of COVID. The quarterbacks coach was out, and again, both sides of the football, very strong effort. But you know, here we are through six weeks, and the Cardinals are the only undefeated team in the NFL. Uh, you know, really really uh, surprising and and uh, you know exciting stuff for Arizona Cardinal fans. And I think the the last thing that I wanted to mention was, and I think, you know, I wasn't sure, you weren't sure how the team was going to respond, but that win by the uh, by the Las Vegas Raiders uh, in Denver against the team that had been playing very well, and that's the Broncos. Well, the Broncos are definitely hurting in their linebacking core, but Derek Carr impressed the hell out of me with his leadership in that game, the comments both before and after the game, and, you know, willingness to kind of take on uh, an added responsibility given the fallout from John Gruden. So I was super impressed by everything I heard Dave, uh, Derek Carr say, and also his play on the field spoke volumes to me. Yeah, Sunday started off, uh, you know, nice, nice to see the Jags get their first win of the season. Uh, sorry for the Dolphin fans out there that had to be at the expense of the Dolphins. Um, but uh, that, yeah, that was a that was a that was a tough game. It looked at one point where the Dolphins were just going to assume control of that game and win easy, but they hung in there at the Jags. So, got to give them credit for that. And like we said, different things happening through the game uh, through the Sunday and one game that you left out, uh, which was one of the wildest 
fourth quarters overtime situations is that Patriot Cowboy game, um, which was just well. I wild. I, I, I kind of can't even talk about that game. You you really you and I are in a league together. That busted play to Kendrick Bourne cost me a ball game, and like that that whole game was insane. I agree. That fourth quarter was an absolute nutty, 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 nutty ball game. Yeah, I mean, it really was, and you know, I, I didn't, I, you know, I, I mean, as far as games last week, I clearly said that I didn't love any games, but the one game that I did like was the Cowboys, I'm sorry, the Patriots getting three and a half, and it was almost like no chance they could ever not cover that game, uh, and then Mac Jones throws an interception for touchdown, and the Bourne play gives the Patriots the lead, then the game goes to overtime, and the Cowboys are just trying to get it to field position to kick a winning field goal, where I still would have covered with three and a half points, but they went the distance to Lamb, but that was okay, because uh, that, that CeeDee Lamb play won a crucial game for you and I that were partners in another league, so it was, it was a wild Sunday, and uh, these these games are just uh, I don't know what's been happening here. Uh, it, it just seems like, from a fantasy football perspective, some of these games have um, have caused such crazy endings with, um, with with the games in our fantasy football leagues, and I'm sure in a lot of people's leagues as well. So uh, just interesting football from start to finish, with the Jags getting that win, all the way to that um, game on Monday night. Where I mean the Sunday night game with the Steelers looked like they were going to blow the Seahawks oh. out of the out of the building in that fourteen nothing lead at halftime, and then they end up winning uh, by three points and not covering the spread, which was your game of the week. Yeah, my lock so of the week I, <laughs> got sent you out. Know, you and I, you and I lost like yeah, whatever, just heartbreak city with the games. But we did very, very, very well with the prop plays on Sunday. So. Uh, the people that are listening and following us on that uh, had another successful Sunday. Yeah, it was, it was a great week for prop bets. I agree. It was a little frustrating as far as betting weeks. You know, is uh, actually a, a, a guy who loves to listen to this podcast. His name is Amish, former coworker of mine. He sent me an article that NFL Week Six with betting roundup. It was the worst Sunday in 35 years for sports books. I guess the way some of these games ended, the way they happened. Uh, it, it was kind of an interesting article, but uh, he, he sent it to me. He loves listening to us. Uh, he really loves the prop bets. He actually gives he throws some of his uh, my, my way as well, but uh, he's been hopping aboard uh, a number of our prop bets, and uh, he's enjoying listening to the podcast. I just figured I mentioned uh, that was an article that was sent out by him last week. Yeah, I mean, I, I just felt like I couldn't make heads or tails of it. I, I could see what, you know, with the lines and what took place with some of these games, um, how that could have happened. I, I just felt it was a week to avoid. It was, you know, I was just looking at the games and I was just getting a headache trying to, you know, figure out. And the one game that I felt good about, of course, I lost in the most heartbreaking fashion. But um, I felt, you know, better about the prop plays. And like I said, on Sunday, um, double dipping on Najee Harris, double dipping on Travis Kelsey, and you had some good ones. Uh, we were watching the games together, and we were laughing because one of your prop plays is Jonathan Taylor over, and um, he had, I think, five or six yards rushing at halftime, and then that one play that I think Carson Wentz audibilized out of a pass to a run, 
Um, Jonathan Taylor took for like 83 yards, and, and you won your prop play on just one run. Yeah. So it was a lot. It was a lot of fun with that. A lot of frustration as well. But uh, this is what takes place. But I was just thinking to myself, I can't believe how fast it's moving. We're already six weeks in. Essentially, a third of the entire football season is uh, gone already. Yeah, we got guys, uh, you know, in all league. Uh, Steph's already preparing for next year. He's wheeling and dealing uh, for the future already. Uh, you know, after after six weeks. Uh, but it's, it's, it's the way things kind of happen. It's very hard. I got to tell you, Wiz, I went against Derek Henry. First of all, it seems like every week, I mean, I'm in a lot of leagues, but it seems like every week I'm going against Derek Henry in some fashion. A Monday night was another case where I'm going against him. I think I had a 40-odd point lead. He was the only player left, and lo and behold, I lose that game as Derek Henry goes bananas yet again. I just, what he's doing is just unbelievable, and everybody knows it's coming. There's no pass catchers on the field, and Derrick Henry is just ruling the NFL football world right now. Yeah, I think what's making that situation even, you know, just stand out more than anything else is like, you know, Nick Chubb is a great player, but he has Kareem Hunt there, and, and Jonathan Taylor is a great player, but if they get into like a game script where they're way behind, you know Naheem Hines will see the field a little bit more. There's really nobody that the Titans are going to just trust out there no matter what's going on where, you know, Henry is going to be removed from the game. So um, the volume, the talent, and the situation just all equals uh, just a, a complete – um, destruction for those going up against Derrick Henry every week. Uh, you know, it's a funny thing, Liz. Uh, if you remember in that All-Star League that we're in together, uh, you and I are competitors, uh, we ended up getting the fifth and sixth draft pick in, in, in a snake draft in that draft. And I was debating who to take, and you you as well. You know, who are we going to take? Who's going to be left? Ba ba ba. trying to anticipate what was going on before us. But the decision came down for me. Do I take the running back, Derrick Henry, or do I take Devonta Adams? I took Devonta Adams. In that league, you took Derrick Henry. My record's three and seven. Uh, three, sorry. Uh, what the heck is my record in that league right now? We played. We play. Uh, we played two games a week, so I can't even keep track. I think, I think I'm three and nine right now, and I think you're resting atop that league. Derrick Henry is carrying your squad. Yeah, I mean, you know, in that situation, I I didn't fault you. Um, the momentum was just for pass catches. These running backs were getting hurt in preseason, and uh, and it's still. I, and by the way, it's still the momentum. Look what's going on again this year. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I agree. I agree. And like, if I had the fifth pick, uh, I would have decided between Adams, Kelsey, and and Derrick Henry myself. Once you took Devontae Adams that kind of removed the equation from me with Adams so it was kind of like Kelsey and Henry and I just figured that um the tight end depth was a little bit better we talked about than than past years so um in the 12 team league I just wanted to grab Henry there but uh yeah it's it just it's just it's just one of those things and uh yeah, we had a guy in our league just get so frustrated. He posted something about running backs and um, how he's unable to field teams because he had Clyde Edwards-Alaire that was hurt, and he's had other running backs hurt and bye weeks. So it, it can make for a frustrating situation, but you got to hang in there. Um, it's a long season, and you know the, there's nothing else you could do. He can make you crazy for sure with this kind of thing, but you just have to hang in there. That's that would be my uh, that would be my 
my sage advice is to hang in there. Well, you know, look, I, I, I'm just going to pile on to that one as well. And then you're talking about Mr. Cooper, who made that comment. And, you know, we've talked a lot about this. I've been extremely vocal about how I approach the running back position in fantasy. And I'm not saying I'm right or wrong or what have you, but I, I've been proven right certainly the last couple of years. Just the, the position is the hardest to predict. It's the one where players get hurt the most. And I think probably next year, especially after the last two years, again, investing in players like Barkley and McCaffrey and the money spent and the high draft pick, people are going to have to reconsider that because those players just, unfortunately, they're, they're, they're prone to injury much more frequently. And I think strategy will become a little bit different if this continues to happen. I, and I, my guess is it does happen at next, next year's draft. That's, I'll predict that now. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you have to go about it with, you know, with different strategies. And one strategy could be is, look, you know, I'm just not going to spend money. I'm going to spend money on the pass catchers. Uh, and <clears throat> I'm not going to go crazy for any of the running backs. And I, I'll be okay with drafting middle of the uh, tier running backs and, and just try and get elite pass catchers and wide receiver and tight end. But if you do spend money, and this is the mistake that, you know, the guy in Ali made is he spent $28 on Clyde Edwards-Alaire, but yet he let me get Darrell Williams for $2. So if you're going to put money into Alaire, you have to know that they trust Darrell Williams if something was to happen to Alaire. So you have to secure yourself, and he didn't do that. So in that type of situation, there's no one to blame but himself. One, he spent a lot of money on a player, and two, he didn't make the full investment by making sure for just a few dollars to get his obvious handcuff. Yeah, and I think you've mentioned this before. There are some players where a player goes down, there's an obvious handcuff. There are other players, like let's take a situation like I'm, I'm not wishing bad on anybody, but let's say Eckler goes down for the Chargers. Uh, we could see three different guys splitting splitting the workload for, for Austin Eckler, right? And I think it's a lot different when a player like Clyde Edwards-Alaire goes down. To, it's very dependent on the situation. We see the same thing with Dalvin Cook this year, right? When when he's out, Madison steps in and basically gives you 95% of, of, of well, 90 to 95% of, of, of output that, that uh, Dalvin Cook gives you. Yeah, I mean, we see it time and time and time again at the end of every year where a guy like an Alexander Madison, uh, these guys are league winners. They step in, they're a backup, and they get opportunities and just happens to be in the fantasy football playoffs, and they end up uh, you know, winning, winning leagues for people. It happens every single year. So you know, when it comes to these backups, this is why we do specific podcasts just on handcuffs. Is It's not so much about getting the handcuff on a running back that you have, even though in certain situations it's important, you want to get the guy that is going to get a chance and he's going to do something about it. And Alexander Madison is one of those guys. Pollard is one of those guys. If like the if there if the if the lead guy if the one A to their one B guy gets hurt, they're going to get in there and they're going to win you your league. Uh, so that that's the thing, you know. You just don't try and get a handcuff. You have to either have to get a direct handcuff. Or if it's going to be the perfect example, which you mentioned, that Chargers situation, I don't think any of those guys are going to matter. I'm more worried about, even if I have Eckler, I'd be more interested in Alexander Madison than I would be in in Justin Jackson or Roundtree or Joshua Kelly. Uh, So 
to your point, I think people have to understand that it's it's really about the player um, more so than the situation and, and understanding the situation of whether it's going to be one specific guy that's going to be like a top 10, 12 guy. Like if something was to happen to Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon is the type of guy that will be a league winner. If something happens to Austin Eckler, none of those guys are going to may, you know, be usage enough to, to, to make a difference, in my opinion. So that's why you really have to listen when we talk about the handcuff podcast we do every year. Yep, I agree. I agree. All right, well, here we go. We're going into week number seven here. Uh, the Bills, the Dallas Cowboys, the Jaguars, the Chargers, the Vikings, and the Steelers are all off. Uh, we've mentioned the injuries, so you know some owners are definitely going to be up against the wall and trying to figure out what to do given given the balance of those two things. So so let's t- talk potential streamers at quarterbacks because we know in some leagues there are, there are teams uh, that only have to carry one quarterback. Uh, when when you look at some of the guys, you know maybe a Matt Ryan was dropped last week because Atlanta was off. I think that's something that I picked up uh, on, on in in one league. I was able to pick him up because we don't carry more than one, and most teams only carry one quarterback. So I think that's something to look at. We know that Tua came back last week. I thought he played very well in that game in London. So if he's available, Jameis Winston was out last week. Perhaps you want to give him a shot, or maybe even Case Keenum, who will be the quarterback tomorrow tomorrow night uh, for the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, I think you know you always have to look at these drops and 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 look at that and capitalize on that and matchups and uh, yeah, I think all of those guys you mentioned. Uh, I know Mac Jones is another quarterback who seems to be floating around at home against the Jets. He's fine uh, of a pickup. Um, as far as like some of these other guys who are filling in, I kind of try and shy away from you know Smith against the Saints. And uh, and Case Keenum, I just don't know what that's going to look like uh, um, against the Broncos tomorrow night. So <clears throat> if you were able to make a preemptive pickup last week uh, and pick up a tour or a Matt Ryan or someone along, along those lines or Mac Jones, uh, I'd be feeling good about that. But um, if not, then I, I'd be very worried about picking up Geno Smith or Case Keenum unless you had some other thoughts or some other idea about some other uh, – uh, streaming quarterbacks for this week. Yep, I, d- I definitely agree with that. And then being preemptive, I think, is important. You know, we've done it with defenses in a league that you and I are partners with. I think, uh, you know, s- smart owners will t- will take notice of what's kind of going on ahead of themselves and trying to beat uh, beat the crowds uh, before it gets to be a very exciting story for a particular pickup. Uh, running back, Wiz, you know, we talked – I have a number of guys. Obviously, we're not going to have Nick Chubb. We're not going to have – uh, Kareem Hunt, uh, Dearness Johnson, I mentioned already, uh, Demetric Felton. I feel that kind of combination is going to be who actually ends up uh, you know, replacing those two guys. Ramondre Stevenson showed us what he could do last week. He had a very good game. Uh, I think a player that should not be available on waiver wires. I think you want to watch that situation in Seattle. Alex Collins was a little beat up after that game on, on Sunday night. Uh, it looks like Rashad Penny might come off of IR this week, so that's the other situation. And I think one thing that I'm very concerned about, we've seen this two weeks in a row where coming into the week, Antonio Gibson was kind of banged up, and I don't know what ends up happening if they decide to give him a rest a little bit. You know, Jarrett Peterson should probably be out there on most waiver wires. McKissick is probably owned, especially in PPR leagues. You know, those are the few guys at the running back position that I kind of have in mind uh, for this particular week, depending on the size of your league, was. 
Yeah, I think the guy that you mentioned at the very, very beginning, Dennis Johnson, I just think is a guy that probably is going to be trusted more by Cleveland in this situation. Uh, Keith Keenum, they throw the ball to him a lot, so I, I don't, I don't mind him. Um, I think that Seahawks situation, if Collins doesn't play, is going to be really murky, especially if, if uh, Penny is activated. You'll see just a combination, I think, of DJ Dallas, Travis Homer, and uh, Richard Penny. So that could get that could get murky. <clears throat> and if Gibson doesn't play, I just think you're going to see uh, a combo platter of McKissick and Jared Peterson, as you mentioned. So. Um, actually, I think, you know, if I, as far as this week, if I knew that Collins was going to miss the game, um, and Gibson was going to miss the game, I would say Dearness Johnson, I think is my favorite play of the week. If he's available amongst any of the Seahawks running backs, the Washington football running backs and the Brown running backs. Cause I just feel he can catch some passes. He'll get the goal line stuff as well. And with those other situations, I'm not quite sure how they're going to manage it if the starters are out. Yeah, and again, when you're dealing with the injuries that we're dealing with and the amount of teams off, the, the pickings are slim at the moment. Pickings are slim. Even at wide receiver, Wiz, I can only come up with really three names, quite frankly, uh, one of which we own in a league, and that's Rashad Bateman, who definitely stuck his nose in there right away, looked terrific, actually, uh, kind of very sure-handed, ran some very crisp routes. I know you love the player, as do I. Uh, I don't know what's going on with Julio Jones. First of all, we, I, I can't even talk about Julio Jones on this podcast much more because he, the warnings have been sent. Uh, but the, man, the man's pretty much done in my eyes as a football player. Uh, he was dropped in, in, in one of my leagues, and guys were fighting over him in, in waiver wise I'm like, I don't understand this, and he's hurt again. A.J. Brown's nicked up, so either jo- uh, Josh Reynolds or Westbrook, to me, warrants attention. And the other guy that caught my eye from this past Sunday was Nico Collins on Houston. Outside of that, I couldn't find a lot. Maybe Mooney's available on some um, some waiver wires from Chicago. He seems to be the new favorite target of Justin Fields because Allen Robinson is a big goose egg for 2021. Yeah, it, it's it's frustrating. Um, you know, with Julio, he just he just looks like he uh, just just can't just can't stay on the field, and it just it just it's just more of the uh, you know more of the same where you know he's trying to gut it out and. It's frustrating because he's playing, um, but yet he just, you know, misses crucial snaps uh, and and that. But I'll give I'll give another guy that I think is going to be interesting, uh, especially with the you know with the with the injuries that um, are on the team is is Matt Collins from the Dolphins because. You know, Fuller, I just, you know, you, just, you can never count on him to play, and the Parker things to be lingering. And the way teams are defending Jalen Waddle is now he's being used a lot as a decoy because teams are very, very much concerned about him as well as they should be. He's just, I feel he's going to be, when he gets talent around him, kind of like Jamar Chase has, he's going to be something special. But in the meantime, he's setting it up for the other guys like Kosicki and Matt Collins had a big game. And I think while Fuller and Parker are missing time, Matt Collins is a guy that I would put on, if you're in a deep, deep league, um, that I would kind of 
you know, keep my eye on, I think, for a priority pickup at wide receiver. Yeah, he looked great. You know, big guy, former Eagle, uh, physical guy, you know, definitely a, a different type of player, and, and he looked really good this past Sunday. So I, I can't disagree with you there. Uh, you know, Wiz and I looked like geniuses this past week uh, in tight end. Uh, we we had the break the slate guy as Ricky Seals-Jones. He had a monster week. You had an inkling, as did I, that O.J. Howard might show up, and sure enough, he showed up in that game. I'm just kind of mentioning a couple of guys that still might be available at the tight end position. Um, you know, again, I, those are two guys that I kind of want to highlight. Cole Komet got his nose in there and, and, and did some stuff this week. And if people drop Dallas Goddard, especially given the uh, Zach Ertz trade now, you got to make sure Dallas Goddard's not available on any waiver wires, especially in the thinner roster leagues where only one tight end is uh, employed by uh, fantasy owners. Yeah, Ricky Shields-Jones, I mean, you just... It's 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 a good it's it's just a perfect storm right now. Um, no Logan Thomas, no Curtis Samuel, who would be operating a lot in the slot. So there are real opportunities for Ricky Steele Jones, and uh, he was a break the slate guy for both of us at three thousand and hit big. Um, that was that was a terrific call there. Um, and yeah, he's one that you know you just got to continue to send out there if. Um, as long as Logan Thomas is out. And, uh, yeah, I agree with the other names. Uh, Mo Ali Cox <clears throat> had a touchdown. He's another guy to keep your eye on. But, uh, yeah, I think you, you you mentioned all the logical names at tight end. All right, good stuff. All right, so, so let's get into this game tomorrow night, which, you know, I think a few weeks ago I would have been really excited about this game. I feel like the air has been taken out of the balloon on the game. Uh, but we'll, go, we'll talk about the DraftKings aspect of it first. Uh, I think it's very obvious with no Nick Chubb and no Kareem Hunt, you know, the direction, uh, whether you go towards uh, Dearness Johnson or, or Felton, yeah, their price points are still relatively low. I'm going to be intrigued. The one guy that I'm intrigued in DraftKings for this week, because he's done zero for weeks on end. In fact, I see in most leagues, people would rather own David Njuku instead of Austin Hooper. But I do remember last year when, when the play, pass catchers were hurt for, um, for, for the Cleveland Browns, that Hooper did end up being a factor in some of those games. I'm going to give him a shot in DraftKings on Thursday night. Uh, the other guy to me, you know, again, I think OBJ has passed his better days, of course. But uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones, I know a player that we both talked about at the start of the season. He's looked very good. He had a big week last week. Uh, those are a few of the guys that I like. The, the Denver side seems to be uh, a little bit of a calmer situation. Players being taken off the injured list. Noah Fonts looks like he's going to play. I don't think we're going to see Jerry Judy just yet. Colton Sutton continues to be a major factor in this offense. And, uh, you know, I, so, so from that angle, Wiz, I think a lot, I don't think there's a lot of surprises in terms of the DraftKings size. I don't know if you're thinking about someone that you really think is going to have a great game, who you want to make captain. I don't have that kind of feeling about this particular game. Like I said, I feel like a lot of air has been taken out of the balloon uh, going into this week's matchup between the Broncos and the Browns. Yeah, for me, it's a pass uh, on DraftKings and player props, really, and, and the betting line as well. You know, these Thursday games are becoming more and more difficult as the season goes on. Teams having to recover from just a few days off. Now you add into that the injuries. Bridgewater is, is, is limited in practice. He hurt his ankle, his foot at the end of the game. So on the, And then on the other side, it's just a complete mess and a guessing game. So... I don't have anything negative to say against your thoughts on Dionis Johnson, Donald Peoples-Jones, uh, Javante Williams. I, I don't have anything negative to say about that. I just don't have anything really clever to add or give a guy that um, 
you know, you know, I know the Broncos activated Boone. He didn't play much, maybe because of the short week. He'll play in this game a little bit more. If you want to really pick a guy out of the clouds that will have a very, very minimal salary on DraftKings, maybe Boone. But uh, nothing clever for me to add uh, for the game this week. I'm really just going to watch the game, defend the guys that I'm going against in my fantasy football leagues, and uh, root for the guys that I do have. But in this game, I don't really think I have many – Cleveland Browns or um, Broncos at this point. Yeah, you know, so completely the same, quite frankly. I don't have any prop bets. Like, the line has moved around a little bit. I think it started as Denver was getting three and a half. They're getting two. The over-under started at 43. It's down to 41 and a half. I'm, not, I'm staying away from it. I, you know how much I hate Thursday night football. Uh, I really hope the NFL at some point in time reviews all of this. I'd rather see two Monday games or somehow find a way to get games to Friday, but I hate the fact that they have to turn around and play football on Thursdays. Not saying we haven't had a couple of good games on Thursday nights, but now with the bye weeks coming up and the injuries, it's just it's just it's just not good in this setup for this week, which I said this would have been a really good game to watch a couple of weeks ago. And I'm not as excited about it this week. I don't have any prop bets either uh, at all at this one. And you know, Teddy Bridgewater, by the way, is also coming into this game questionable. And again, players having to turn around in a short week. You know, if you're seeing Drew Locke at uh, under center for the for the for the uh, for Denver this week, uh, you're not going to be very happy if you own offensive players in the Denver Bronco offense, or if you're a Bronco fan for that matter. So I'm with you, is staying away from it. It doesn't excite me. It's just uh, you can't force the issue. Uh, it's got to be something that's you know obvious to you, and uh, you know we'll we'll work on cranking it out for the weekend's games rather than uh, pay any attention to this one on this Thursday night. Yeah, I mean, look, it's a Thursday night game, so we have to talk about it. But let's be completely honest about this. If this was amongst 12 or 13 Sunday games, this game wouldn't even get a mention by us. But because it's a Thursday night game, you know, we were compelled to talk about it a lot. I mean, you know, compelled to talk about it somewhat. But uh, as far as a, a wager on the game from a player prop standpoint or betting side or under over, uh, it's a complete and total pass for me, and I would suggest everyone else uh, just relax, watch the game, and uh, and just root for your fantasy players. Now, once again, uh, tremendous advice from the Wiz. So uh, I, I, I definitely agree with you. That's going to wrap this podcast up. We'll come back later in the week with our player props, uh, game lines, DraftKings, all that sort of stuff. Uh, but, yeah, enjoy the game tomorrow. Browns, Broncos, and uh, Wiz, I wish you a good rest of the day, and uh, look forward to catching up on that later in the week. I appreciate that. You do the same.